Welcome to Coach Beat, the show where we talk coaching with some of the best in the business. Presented and co-hosted by Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Steve Medford. In this episode, we'll talk to Marquette Girls Varsity Basketball Coach, Lee Green. This episode of Coach Speak with Steve Medford starts in 20 seconds. To win in sports, you must focus on your strategy as the game changes. The same is true of investments. I'm Steve Medford, your Edward Jones Financial Advisor, and I can help. Call 498-8523. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome to another episode of Coach Speak. Nick Dar here with you, along with Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Steve Medford. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Good. I'm doing great. How about you? Good. Good to be back. Uh, season 2, Episode 2 of Coach Speak. We had some great conversations in Season 1. Took a little break and uh, now back with uh, Episode 2 of Season 2. And I'll let you uh, introduce the guest today. Yes, I've got, uh, you know, we got Lee Green. Obviously, Lee's a... Uh, uh, a great basketball mind, loved the game of basketball, been around for a long time, but also, you know, he's a, the good old Marquette. He bleeds the blue and uh, is leading a great program, but I had the opportunity to meet Lee, you know, he interviewed for the job and I was actually on that committee and, you know, he kind of blew us all away and has, has done an extremely good job with Marquette girls. So thanks for joining us, Lee. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well, Lee, uh, at Marquette now, but a uh, a long coaching resume, been in the in the business a long time. Just kind of for our listeners that don't know, just kind of run down the resume for us. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long run for sure. Uh, I uh, played baseball in college, actually, um, but I you know I did all three you know football, basketball, and baseball in high school. Um, kind of quit football halfway through and just concentrated on basketball and baseball. Basketball has always been my favorite sport. Uh, just was a lot better baseball player, so that's kind of what got me to college. And uh, but kind of just helped out when I was in college, uh, like at the local YMCA and and doing things like that. And then uh, when I graduated, uh, had an opportunity to. I went to school in Iowa, up in Sioux City, Iowa, and uh, being from Southern California, I was a long way from home, and I, I kind of wanted to go back home, but I got this opportunity. To, at a small school in Iowa called Lot Bronson, Iowa. They're like, I think it's the lowest level in Iowa. And they're looking for a JV coach and an assistant varsity. They only had two levels. It was boys. Um, and, you know, basically their coach kind of quit on them in like October. And so my uh, old coach gave me a call and said, I know this coach real well. He's looking for a guy. I know you're always helping out the Y and doing different things. Uh, with basketball, and I know you want to get into that. So I said, I went out there, interviewed, and he hired me. I really, I think I was the only candidate, so it was pretty easy to get that job. Uh, but uh, so I was a JV boys and, and uh, assistant varsity, but I didn't know, I had no idea about any of the school stuff out, you know, any of the local schools really in Iowa and stuff where I was at. And they were really good. They were the whole, their top seven players are going to be juniors. And the year before they were like 24 and five and they they have everybody back on the varsity level. And uh, it was a, just an unbelievable great experience for me because I had to coach JV, you know, run my own program. He let me do what I want. He didn't really uh, have me, Hey, you need to run this and run that uh, as a varsity. You know, you can, you know, you can, if you want, but kind of just put your own stuff in, which, I had to go back to the high school and, you know, stuff that we kind of ran in high school has been five years, whatever. But uh, so it was a great learning experience because he kind of threw me in the fire. But the thing about it, it was great is we ended up going like 27 and zero on the varsity level. And I just 
learned a ton from this guy. He'd been around like 30 plus years and he was like Bobby Knight. I mean, he wouldn't be able to coach nowadays. I mean, he was just insane and, and I kind of <laughs> loved it, but uh, <laughs> I mean, he would, he would be chasing guys down on suicides and kicking them in the ass and they weren't running hard <laughs> enough. I mean, the guy wore those, you know, you know, you have those P coaches or football coaches, those bike shorts, he wore the bike pants. I mean, he was like, he was just awesome, you know? So, uh, and, and it was great. And we ended up getting, you know, I don't even know, I can't remember what it is in Iowa, but it would be equivalent to like our super sectional out here in Illinois. And his, his son was the best player. His son was a point guard. He was really good. And we had a lead and uh, late in the game and he ended up fouling out and we ended up going to overtime and ended up losing by one. And that, that team won the state championship. And, and so it was, but it was a great experience. I learned a ton. And then, um, you know, I was a P major, you know, and so I was applying for jobs out back, back home, out West and ended up landing a, a P position at a school. It's actually a private school like Marquette. And uh, it came with girls basketball coach. I mean, they already had a boys coach, came with girls basketball coach. Well, I'm like, okay, you know, really when you get out and you want to get into coaching, you know, as a guy, you want to coach, you want to coach boys. And I really did. But I was like, this, that's how I got into girls as, because I was like 24 years old and it was a full-time job. I mean, when I was still in Iowa, I was like working at a furniture store, you know, selling furniture, which I had no clue about anything. Uh, I just kind of winged, you know, people come in looking for beds. I'm like, I have no idea. Lay on it, see if, it, you know, how you like it, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so I went back home and then that's the job I had. And, you know, I didn't know, I didn't realize this until I got there, but they hadn't won a game in like four years. And we're like, oh, for the last like 90 this girl's a team. So my first year I got humble pie for sure. We went like, Oh, and 27, but the only silver lining by it was that, uh, Hey coach, this is what the principal and AD told me, Hey, you know, you had like seven, seven single digit losses and you only had like one loss over 20. <laughs> so there was a little silver line that we were building. You know, we were, we were, we were only losing by eight and 18 instead of, you know, getting blown out by 25 plus. But, you know, it, 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 we, I worked, I worked, I had a lot of energy, you know, back then. And, uh, and, you know, eventually I was there five years and my last, my year four and year five, we won the conference and uh, went all the way, like two, two rounds, I think my year four into the playoffs and, and uh, year five went all the way to, would be equivalent to like sectional championship. And, uh, and that was my thing there. And then there was a NAI school in the same town of where I was coaching high school and, uh, kind of just really was trying to climb the ladder. That's what I really want to do is I want to be a head coach at the college level. And, uh, she had, an, uh, the coach had an opening. I got to know her because she was, uh, head of the P department over at the university. And it was really like a two blocks away and she would bring her students over and run my PE class for me every once in a while. And I got to know her that way. And she asked me, you know, she saw the success we were having and she knew how bad the program was. She asked if I wanted to move up and I absolutely want to. So she had an opening as an assistant. So I continued to coach or teach PE, but I went down there and, and uh, go to this NAI school as an assistant coach. And we weren't very good. I mean, they weren't 0 and 18 in the conference. I think we won like six games and she ended up resigning because she was older and she was having her first child. She'd been trying for a long time. So I was like, Oh, great. You know, now I gave up my job and my assistant got it at the high school and she was doing really well. So I'm not going to get that back. And, uh, 
you know, who knows what they're going to do. So I interviewed for the job and I actually got it and uh, became a head coach at the NAI school, like at age 28, I think, or 29. And uh, they never had won a conference game and they've been in this conference like four years. It's, it was called the, the GSAC, the Golden State Athletic Conference. And it was NAI Division One. It was really, uh, you know, schools like Azusa Pacific and, and schools like that, which are powerhouses in all sports. They're, they're all moved to Division Two now. But, um, you know, so I got that job and, you know, I ended up winning like 13 games in my first year and, and won a few conference games for the first time. And then did this had great recruiting class and worked tirelessly and it was hard because I had a little girl that was like about a year and a half and two years old when I was going through this then I had my son that was born during this stretch and you know you got little ones and I'm gone all the time recruiting and it was just really tough but uh it wore me out and uh but I wanted it so bad so I didn't really care um but uh had a lot of success there. And within three years, I turned the program around and get to win like 18 games and was middle of the pack in the conference. And SIUE, SIU Eversville had an opening for a full-time assistant. So it was the NCAA Division II school. And, and I actually uh, was wearing many hats at the NAI school. As a lot of you guys, you know, as you guys know, that those private schools, I mean, they don't really have, you've got to do a few things there. So I was like, facilities system facilities manager you know like i had to help set up you know baseball fields softball fields volleyball matches you know you had to be there and i'm doing that and then you know it just there was a lot of a lot of stuff i had to do so i was looking to just get full-time basketball and at the ncaa level and i didn't think i'd be able to get a job all the way in illinois from california but uh you know, sent the resume in and I sent it to a lot of places actually, but that was one of them that called back and, you know, they called me and just asked, Hey, when's a good time for a phone interview? We've got 10 people. We're going to, you know, interview by phone and bring five to campus. And so I did my phone interview and I didn't hear anything back for like three weeks. So I figured I probably didn't get it. And I was actually having a great recruiting class. I mean, I, I mean, I was excited about my team the next year and got a call about, like I said, a couple of weeks later and she, asked me what easiest airport was to fly to St. Louis because, you know, so I get the job and they were really subpar 500 program. Um, just, you know, they had a couple good players and we really needed to do a, a better job in recruiting. So, you know, that was, uh, and she, the reason that she told me I got the job, I had no ties in the area, but on my resume show what I did at the high school and show what I did at the, the, the NAI school I was at of how bad they, the programs were and to what they were when I got done, you know, building them. And, um, so she, you know, wanted coach Hedberg is who I'm talking about. Wendy Hedberg, she coached her 30 years at SIUE and really needed somebody to, you know, shake the bushes and, and, and travel and do whatever I could do to bring in some talent. And, uh, let me tell you the first few years, it was a struggle. I mean, we were, I think my first year we we're 15 and 14 and, uh, you know, it's pretty unacceptable. And then I think we went back to back of 12 and 18 seasons. Uh, you know, we started a bunch of freshmen, a bunch of sophomores. My second and third year there, we were really just trying to lay the foundation and starting completely over. Well, I was scared that we were going to get fired after year three because, you know, we're 15 and 14, which isn't very good, really. And then you're 12 and 18, 12 and 18. And contract was up after three years three-year contract and i'm like oh my god what did i get myself into i really kind of had a good gig out in southern california and my wife's 
already divorced me. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been, in, I've been in Illinois for two years, and that was it. You know, yeah, you know, just married to the job, I guess, because I was always gone, and it just, it was a tough time for me. And and, uh, but we got a contract extension. We got another three years, and uh, year four, the 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 girls were like sophomores and juniors, and really starting to come around. We end up being fifteen and fourteen again. And then I had just a hit hit gold with the jack with the recruiting. Uh, we had a local hero, you know, from Carrollton and Eversville High School. Amber Shelton was at Illinois State, and uh, we recruited her so hard out of high school. But we knew it was going to be tough because we were D two, and she had a bunch of nice Division one offers. And she ended up going to Illinois State. And in her first year, they went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in years. And in her sophomore year, she averaged around 11 points a game as a starter. Well, she she won the leave. And, you know, we did a good job recruiting her. And we always told her, you know, you ever want to come back home? We got to, even if we we don't have a scholarship, I'll make one. I'll cut somebody. I don't care. And so <laughs> she uh, she came back. And fortunately for some other player, we did have extra scholarships. So, uh you know, she came back and, and, and then we landed a transfer from SEMO and a transfer from Carbondale to go along with all our kids that we've been building for the last couple of years. And so year five actually ended up being the first year since I was there that everybody in the program was recruited by me and building the pro- building the program up and laying the foundation. We went to the NCAA tournament, you know, the GLVC 16-team league. We finished second place behind Drury which was a final four team that year and ranked in the top 10, you know, we were 20, I think 23 and 23 and six went to the NCAA tournament. And then year six ended up being my last year there and won 20 games again and went to the tournament, got beat in the first round, but really, and and then SIUE decided to go to division one and my boss didn't want any part of it. She already been there 30 years. She was only going to coach a few more years anyway. So she ended up just calling it quits and, you know, I put me kind of out there. I finally got the program going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I interviewed for a bunch of college jobs, a head head coaching job at Truman State. And I didn't even get an interview at SIUE after what we did there, you know. Um, and then I ended up accepting an assistant position at a school in Topeka, Kansas, called Washburn University in NCAA Division II school in the MIAA. But, uh, you know, I was packing up my apartment and getting ready to move to Topeka. And my ex-wife brought my son over and, and he just, he didn't want me to leave. You know, he was a little fella at that time, about third grade and started crying and I just couldn't do it. So they left and I called the coach and just told him, I said, look, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be there in two days, but I'm not going to make it. He has kids. He totally understands it. And so that was it for the college coaching because I couldn't really move away from my, from my daughter and my son. I, they were more important to me at that, you know, than anything else. So, um, I never coached college basketball ever again, even though I was really, really on the right track and rising fast. But, uh, you know, you, sometimes you got to think about other things in life. So, uh, that was kind of my career there. And then I, I, uh, you know, went and helped coach Jonathan Denny to see him for a couple years. And, and then I ran my son's select, you know, AAU program for about seven years on the boys side. And so I wasn't even coaching out of school for about seven years straight there. And Marquette opened up and, I said, I'm ready to get back in. My son, my my daughter had just graduated high school and uh, she was a really good softball player. So I got to watch all her games all the time because I wasn't tied down to anything. And and uh, and then my son decided to go to Marquette as well. And I ended up getting the job at, at Marquette and kind of here we are. That was five years ago. I'm getting ready to go into my sixth year. So that's kind of a 
kind of a rundown of my uh, so, long career. <laughs> so you've had you've had experience taking over good programs and bad programs. Which, if you had, if you're starting over a new program, which would you rather take over, a good one or or a bad one? Maybe an obvious answer, but maybe not. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, even at SIUE, it was like an average program. But yeah, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I do have. You know, you're, I think I think my win loss record would be a lot better if it was taking over a pretty good program. You come in and and you know you can keep the keep it rolling, but at the same time, you know if if you if you get some injuries or or the kids don't like it and it goes it goes south in a hurry, then you probably get ran out of there because they're used to used to winning all the time. You just never know what can happen. Uh, I think there's a lot more satisfaction in taking a dumpster fire, which most of my programs I took over were and build them to what they are. And, and, and that's kind of what it is right now with Marquette. I mean, you know, they just, you know, they just couldn't even dribble the basketball and, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. when I took that job over and, you know, we've never had a losing season and uh, won 20 plus games three years in a row and won their first two, a regional championship at 18. And, and we're, we're, we're ready to go hard this year and trying to go farther than that. And I think that, I think that makes me feel a little bit better when you kind of take a program from where it was to to not being very good to taking it to some really good heights. Lee, I mean, you've been there for a few years now. So, uh, what do you think the biggest challenge we have right now? You have on the girl side. What's the biggest challenge you have as a coach? Uh, for for me, it's it's a couple sports. It's soccer and volleyball. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I know I know a lot of co- you know, especially when you're at a small school, you know, you really kind of need kids to play two or three sports, you know, to, mm-hmm. to even, even the talent out, you know, and we were two a like 400 kids in the school and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you got these really good athletes that play soccer and, 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 a, and a lot of them that are volleyball players or even softball, but it's more soccer. Um, you know, that thing, that's a big challenge. They, they, you know, like we didn't even have a freshman team last year. I know it was a COVID year and it was all messed up, but it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, it's still the same amount of kids that come in. I had two freshmen last year. Yeah. So, you know, and that's usually I have at least eight or nine, but I didn't have a freshman team, you know, so and, and because they, they want to play volleyball or soccer. And so then they play two sports plus your academics. It's just too much for them. Um, you know, the year, the year we won, the year I won regionals in 2018, I had a freshman on my team. She actually hit a three pointer in the sectionals. And that was the only year she played. And then we were in the sectional. She hit a three, but she just wanted, and she was also a volleyball player and she's, she starts volleyball and started soccer since her sophomore year. And it, 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 the three sports was too much. So basketball is the one she quit. Mm-hmm. You guys are, both well, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's one of the challenges, you know, but yeah. I mean, there's, there's many more, but that's a big one. I mean, what's, what's, uh, you've been around boys basketball, you've coached some AAU. What, what do you feel like your big, the biggest difference between the boys and the girls is, I mean, just from a standpoint of coaching, like I've never been on the girls side, but yeah. I mean, what, what do you, what do you, what, what do you think the biggest difference is? I think, I think, uh, attitudes, I think, I think, you know, boys, you know, they go out and play, they watch a lot of NBA, a lot of college basketball. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of boys think they know, but even more than the coach or, or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think they just, they can have an attitude towards coach a little bit. And, and girls, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, there's only a few out there that, that will watch any kind of basketball and they don't, they don't know anything besides what you you tell them to do right or, or this yeah. is how you should do it and so i think the difference is they listen to you more i think the the attitude towards the coaching staff is a lot better on the on the women's side or the girls side because they don't know any better this they only know what you tell them 
Yeah, and talk about just talk about a little bit about your upcoming team this year. I know you're pretty excited about this year's team for you. Um, elaborate yeah, on. I mean, yeah, I mean, we have, uh, you know, I have uh, four starters. Oh well, no, yeah, I have four starters returning um, from last year's team. That was seven and five. You know, we only played twelve games, but. Uh, four of the five losses we were winning at halftime and you know and the one that we weren't winning we were down one uh, and just it was a experience that kind of hurt us in the second half a little bit but four of the five losses were all single digit losses two of them actually by one point so the season could have really been more of 10 or 11 wins out of the 12 games you know uh so i'm excited about the four returning stars but i also have four of the top five uh you know subs you know bench players coming back so and some of them actually did start a few games in their career at marquette so really i got eight of my top nine players back that have got a lot of experience and uh three uh, two of the of the four stars returning have started since their freshman year and now they're going to be seniors and the other one has started the last two years as a sophomore and junior but she was our sixth man as a freshman so there's three kids there with a ton of experience and then the fourth one that was a starter who's been on varsity since her freshman year and she's always been in the top top seven rotation and we lost our point guard snipes transferred last year to alton so we had to uh, put Haley Porter in there and play the point guard spot last year as a junior. And she was the one I'm talking about. That was more of a, a role player her first couple of years, but as a junior got thrown in there and she gained a ton of experience. So we're really excited about ha- having eight of our top nine players back. Um, but we also have a couple kids that decided to leave their schools to come in and uh, Chloe white from Jerseyville averaged 16 points a game in the Mississippi Valley conference and was, first team all conference and led the league in scoring. Um, she has transferred in for her senior year. And then Alyssa Powell, which is second team, all Mississippi Valley conference player was a 12 points, eight rebound a game uh, player at triad. And she has transferred in. She's a post player and Chloe's like a three guard. So, you know, we got two, two, three, a kids come in that were the best players on their teams that were both over 500 at the higher level to go with our eight of our nine kids back. So, and we also just got, I got word two weeks ago, uh, we have a player that was a uh, Southwestern Piasaw was 16 and one last year. And uh, Haley Rogers is her name. And she was a part-time starter in the six man for them. And she's a junior and she has decided to transfer to Marquette too. And she's a little, she's a point guard, one, two combo guard. So, you know, coming from a team that was 16 and one last year and she was a very, she played a ton. Um, so we got those three girls coming in to go along with our eight of our nine returning. So I'm really excited what the the season could come out to be. Speaking with Marquette girls varsity basketball coach Lee Green. Coach, I want to go back to something that you kind of touched on, um, and that is kind of this trend, this push maybe from parents or coaches or whatever towards specialization, you know, kids uh, being asked to or pressured to maybe a little bit pick just one sport at, at seemingly a younger and younger age. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. And, and you talked about battling it with it a little bit in terms of losing girls to, to other sports. Talk a little bit about that trend. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really over the last, I would say over the last six to eight years, it's really 
kind of gone that way. Um, and I think soccer is a big one. I mean, heck, there's a lot of these big time soccer players don't even play in their high school teams because their club team plays year round and they, you know, to be on those teams that good, they, they're promising you almost a big time D1 scholarship. So they listen to them, you know, and, uh, and they just give everything else up. I just think it's wrong. I think that playing multiple sports is actually helps you because of the different movements you're going to do. You know, I mean, playing baseball, uh, softball or whatever, volleyball, soccer. I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, I played everything. I mean, it, and, 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 you know, when, when it was basketball season, that was my favorite sport. And I never wanted to go to baseball, but then eventually you get into baseball and then that's your favorite sport. And then it's football, you know, and you just go and, you know, I never got any worse. I, I got better. I mean, I, I it just, I think if you can play multiple sports, I think it's more beneficial for you. And I think that parents got to stop listening to these trainers and these club coaches all the time and tell them they need to, they need to give up this stuff because it coincides. Let's say like, let's, for example, for basketball, you know, in the spring, you know, it's really, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, kids are playing on their AAU team in the spring. Well, for girls, you know, that's softball and soccer time and, and they can go ahead and still play it, I think. But then, you know, on the weekends, you know, you got, you got tournaments and stuff. And if the AAU coach is telling you, you know, if you miss, you're getting punished. If you miss, you got a game. Well, I think that's wrong. They're still playing for you. They're playing their high school sports. You only go to high school one time. And I remember high school when I was in high school, some of the best times I've ever had playing with my teammates and doing that. And, you know, if they're going to miss a game or two on a Saturday because they've got a doubleheader softball or baseball game or a soccer game, then, you know, that's why you keep 10 or 11 instead of only seven or eight. You're going to have those issues. So, you know, I think a lot of it is the pressure from the club coaches and, and the parents feel it a little bit too because we all know that it's not cheap to – to be playing any any of these travel sports whatever sport it may be from volleyball to softball to soccer to baseball or whatever you know it's not cheap basketball you know whatnot so i think it's it's twofold you know i mean i think the parents feel the pressure because financial what they're doing and i think the coaches pressure them to hey you know i think you just need to concentrate on this and do that and i i think it's wrong that's interesting in in some instances um High school sport has become secondary to the club teams, as you mentioned. Oh, it's there's no question about it. Uh, and like I said, I think a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is um, you know soccer. Um, you know, I, I really do. I think soccer is the biggest boys and girls. I think it's the biggest push. And I you can you know, sound like I'm kind of beating on soccer a little bit, but I think that's the one that I know the most that does it. But not saying that the other ones don't. And you know, I mean. I know my daughter played softball travel since she was seven years old. And if I had to do it all again, all over again, I wouldn't have started her until her junior year or not junior year, junior high school. And I would have asked her, I said, this is something you want to do because I think if you're just playing with your town team at that age, whatever it may be, six years old to 12 or 13, if you're at least playing with your, you know, whatever city or town you live in, you're still playing. And as a parent, if you can go out to the park and do stuff with them, they're still getting their work in and they're playing for their local, you know, park and rec league. And then when they get the high or junior high, if it's something they want to go try out for, then I think it's okay because what college coaches are coming to Peoria when they're in sixth grade? No one, because first of all, it's not, you know, they're not, they're not sanctioned or anything. So they're, my daughter was travel out of town every weekend and I felt terrible for her because she would cry when she'd miss birthday parties and this. 
they're having sleepovers. I got to pick her up and take her to Peoria for a softball tournament when she's 11. I mean, it makes no sense. There's enough town in St. Louis and the area to play there every weekend where you don't need to go out of town. And I just think it's so out of control. My biggest thing is I just think all of them, to be honest with you. Now, I mean, I, I, I coach at that. I coach the AAU stuff with coach Jenny with the Southern Illinois Hawks for basketball. And we do it a little bit different than, you know, most teams, we kind of run like a high school team where we get a lot of practice in and we do a lot of stuff, um, teach them stuff instead of just rolling the ball out and driving down to the neighborhood and trying to find the best talent. Like a lot of teams do out of St. Louis, but I think it's a big money grab and I think it's a huge money grab. And I think that's part of the specialization that comes through because the parents feel the financial thing. I know the softball one in my mind was a big money grab in my mind. So I just, you know, I just think if you can just, you play multiple sports, you know, do some training a little bit here and there. I think in the long run, it's just so much better for your kid, your child. Coach, what's a couple minutes left here before we wrap it up? What are, when you start a season or, or start, take over a program, what are top three things you want to instill in your team uh, as you get going? Well, we definitely want to have uh, a mindset of being tough, you know, and, hard-nosed defensive uh you know toughness you know come in and 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 you know those first few that first week of practice whatever is really just trying to get that mindset down and, and, and drilling doing the drills that we do is a lot of defensive stuff uh rebounding stuff and just you know having having that mindset that you know i'm gonna get up in somebody and i'm gonna guard you and and, and when that ball goes up for a rebound, that ball is going to be mine. And, and I'm going to dive on the floor. And I'm going to do whatever I can to, to, you know, not let my man score on me when you're one-on-one or, you know, my man's not going to get a rebound off me. And, you know, I, you know, that's, that's what we, we try to install, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten better since I've been there at Marquette. Um, and then, you know, just trying to also, you know, the three things, too, is trying to get the mindset of how we want to play offensively as well. Um, you know, whatever that may be, you know, it just depends, I guess, each year in high school, kind of what your talent level is. You know, if you're you, you have a mindset as a college coach, you know, you can recruit to that. So if you want to play fast all the time. Well, that's what you're going to recruit to. But unfortunately, in high school, you know, you have to take what comes in each year in each class. And you got to have, you know, you got to be, you know, got to have different you know dif- different options of what you want to run you know you want to play fast well if you have a team that can do that it's great so whatever whatever my team i think is going to be offensively that was one of that's that would be one of them to try to get that mindset down hey we're gonna we're gonna grind you out a little bit this year because we're not as talented or 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 we're gonna push and do that so i think those are kind of the you know the attitude and the mindset we want to try to install early on in practice and and last question for me i don't know if steve has anything else but what uh, one skill that you see in basketball at, at at the youth levels in particular that you feel like is is undertaught? I think maybe the mid-range jump shot, maybe. I think everything's a three or a, you know, on the men's side, a three or a dunk or a layup on the youth side. But, uh, you know, I just don't think anybody shoots the ball from eight to 15 feet really anymore with any kind of consistency or they don't even shoot it at all. I don't, you know, either they're trying to get all the way to the basket every single time, or they're just going to sit out and gun threes all day long. You know, I mean, I just don't think anybody can break anybody down and get them going and stop on a dime and pull up from that 10 footer and stick it. You know, uh, I just, I think that's something that's not taught anymore. Um, You know, I think maybe even 
you know, <laughs> to be honest with you, I think defense too is just, you know, everybody's just, you know, you're teaching youth, you know, and you maybe only have a practice or two a week and you got tournaments coming up. So you really just work on offense all the time. Um, you know, so they're, so they don't really, and you know, they're playing zone the whole single time. So then time they get to high school, they don't have any idea how to play man to man defense. You know, I think, I think that's a big thing that goes on the wayside too, because like I said earlier, you, you only get one or two times maybe in the gym and you got a tournament almost every other weekend or every weekend with the young, you know, young guys, you know, young girls, eight to 14, 15 years old. And you're just trying to at least, which I don't blame them. You're trying to at least run something so you can have some kind of offense. So you don't have time to work on defense or shooting really and stuff like that. I think, I think those are two of the biggest things in my mind. Well, I know Steve really likes zone at the youth level, so. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he, 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 that's why he plays it so much at the high school level. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I have to hit on the same thing with him, though. I think just shooting the basketball in general is a lost thing. I mean, you just don't have – but a lot of kids, it takes a lot of effort. I mean, it takes a lot of time to create somebody to, to be able to shoot, you know, and, you know, it takes hours upon hours to go out there and spend time and do it. And, you know, not enough kids are doing that. And so that's why you see – you could say, well, man – well, there's a lot of good teams that, that are guarding the basketball a lot better today than they probably ever have. But I also think there's a lot of kids that can't shoot the ball and there's not enough kids on the court that can shoot the ball. So right. Just come, watch, I mean, come watch, come watch the explorers play, especially the boys side. I mean, well, that's why you, you come yeah. and watch me play this year. You'll see us in a lot of zone because I don't think a lot of people can shoot it anymore. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm a man to man guy my whole entire life, but I played zone almost 80% of the time last year. And, the only game I gave up more than 35 points was the last game of the year, and that was Breeze Central. And they, if there wouldn't have been COVID, they would have went to state. They were built for last year, so I feel terrible for them. But that was the only team that scored more than 35 on us. <laughs> I yeah, mean, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll play, man. I mean, but but we're going to play a lot of zone this year just because I, I feel like that. I, there's not – you know, man, it doesn't really scare me. And, uh, you know, and this has nothing to do with that. But, I mean, I, I think boys are, you know, probably better – you know, obviously they're better skilled offensively and stuff. So we're talking girls high school basketball too, you know, I mean, you're going to run into some good shooters, but I think in the long run, not so many, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. Well, Lee Green, gir- uh, girls varsity basketball coach at Marquette, Steve Medford, boys varsity basketball coach. I'm just glad too, that there's not a big, uh, a lot of dissension between you two, like there was with like Gino Ariema and Jill- Jim Calhoun when they were at UConn together. They, they didn't speak apparently. So. <laughs> Well, no, no, we have a great relationship. Hell, he, he, my son, my son played for him for two years and he loved it. He misses him now. He plays college basketball now. He still wish he had Coach Medford as his coach. Yeah, that's awesome. Sammy was one of my favorite players, one of the smartest players I ever coached, without question. Well, well, fellas, thanks for joining us. It was, uh, it was great to visit with with both of you, and uh, we'll we'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, right. thanks for having Bye. me. I enjoyed it. it. Gets me, gets me, you know. Excited here for, you know, getting ready for the start of the new year out. Join us again next week on Coach Speak with Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Steve Medford.